0: hey there hoopers welcome to the pick and roll podcast you're listening to a podcast made by the hoopers and for the hoopers i'm your host Safir nagji and today i'm bringing you a really special number for an episode here this is uh episode 23 the first and only time we will have 23 just by itself so i thought you know this has to be a big episode this has to be something good uh Today we're going to have a, a talk about, as the title implies, the greatest of all time. Some of the players that have graced this beautiful game. And I think there's there's been a lot of talent, you know, even recently, or you go back to the 60s, 70s, 80s, or if you guys are watching The Last Dance, the 90s, which were, many people would argue, the golden era of basketball. But uh, we'll get into that in a second. Obviously, I have to do the intro here. I uh, hope you're doing all well safe washing your hands socially distancing uh things kind of restarting around the world now Uh, as i said in the last episode as well i'm actually starting work back at my tim hortons uh in a little while shout out to everybody in canada that knows about tim hortons and everybody outside of canada if you know about tim hortons you know how good it is how blessed it is uh but i'm gonna be starting work there again soon so a lot of stuff going on but you know, when I look at this this list of, of all-time great players, I look at all the posts that we put up on Instagram to, to review some of the film of the greats. So you, if you guys want to do the same, you know, we're on Instagram, at PNR Podcast. We're posting every single day, stuff on the story, stuff on the posts. Uh, this week, it's I, I admit, the posting hasn't been great this week, but we've been uploading some fire content on there regardless. Uh, now, to the episode topic, of course... Mike, Kobe, Braun, Kareem, these are the guys that we talk about when we say greatest of all time. You know, Kareem, six rings, six MVPs, most points all time, and the most unstoppable shot in NBA history. Or Michael Jordan, six rings, no finals losses, you know, defensive player of the year, MVP, all all the things that you need there. Um, There's a lot of greats to look at for this, but what i find difficult is putting them into a top 10 list the traditional ranking list numerically i don't think that it's actually possible to classify these guys like that i think they're they're much more special and that each of them brought kind of a their own dimension their own element to the game and i think furthermore like the rules have changed so much you know you look going back to the 80s and 90s the physicality of the game compared to now or the introduction of the three-point shot the shot clock era you know so many rule changes have happened that it's kind of hard to objectively examine so many of the different greats so i thought you know why don't we just go through four tiers of the greatest of all time you know none of these are disrespects to any of the players in their respective tiers. You know, if I put a, a player that you feel like should be in tier one and I have him in tier two, it's no disrespect to that player because I really appreciate the greatness in the league as well. But I want you guys to DM us what you think. If you disagree with us, if you think we were absolutely wrong, hit us up at PNR Podcast. But without further ado, let's get into this. So here's the format that I'm going with here. So I've got 23 total players because it's episode 23. Um, I'm going to evaluate their individual accolades, so that's MVPs, regular season awards, finals MVPs, you know, box score stats, etc. We'll do some statistical analysis, like per 100 possession-based comparisons, as you guys know from the last episode, and of course, true shooting percentage as, a, as an overall shooting metric just because it's a little bit more harmonized for all the different kinds of attacks in basketball. Uh, of course, I'm using basketball reference and stats.nba.com for all of this. well i'm going to factor in some of the team success so obviously you know winning championships having a dynasty back to backs you know changing the game impact on the game all of that kind of stuff you know that factors in heavily because basketball at the end of the day is a team sport there have been great individual players that haven't done well with their teams and as a result they're looked down upon you know a lot of great scorers you think of let's say michael adams great scorer but we don't talk about him nowadays because he never had any real team success so and last of course i want to make an emphasis on the impact on the actual game you know we've seen michael jordan steph curry lebron each change the game in their own unique ways lebron emphasizing player mobility and the ability for a player to choose their own their own destiny make their own path steph curry changing the league so that people could shoot more threes dirk nowitzki even let's say changing the league that big men didn't have to be down low anymore a seven footer could hang around 30 feet from the basket excuse me and shoot the ball exceptionally well and by the way he did and he is on this tier list and so are all the other guys that i mentioned before here so let's go into this let's get into this with tier four so the most honorable of mentions is what i'm going to call tier four what i mean by that is this these guys were important players to watch and a fundamental, important part of basketball history. 100%, I won't disagree with that. They never won a championship, some of them. Uh, so the team success maybe not be there. Or, you know, in the case of some of them, they just ran into really great competition. And while they were great, they just didn't rise to the occasion that they needed to. So, again, no disrespect. These guys represent the pinnacle of basketball excellence in their own way but it's just that i can't rank them above you know tier 3, tier 2 and tier 1 which are all amazing players. So, tier 4, let's start with Carmelo Anthony now. Melo, of course, you guys know how much we love Melo. Uh, future hall of famer, the last superstar that the Knicks had and just an all-around amazing player. And yes, I said the last superstar that the Knicks had. Kristaps isn't a superstar just yet. And he wasn't a superstar with the Knicks, that's for sure. Now, will the Knicks get another future superstar as great as Melo? Well, that's unlikely. But, you know, looking at Melo's stats, when he was with the Knicks, 37 minutes a game, 29.7 rebounds, 2.6 assists in the 2012-13 season. That was his best season with them. And his best season for his career, really. He, like, his role jumps up to a 35.6% usage percentage, and he's shooting 56% on true shooting. Now, I know that's a lot of numbers to, to take in there, but what that means is... He was extremely efficient with the basketball even when his role had to increase something that we don't see with with players very often only the greats can really take on a higher load and still manage to maintain efficiency and what did it lead to well the knicks were amazing that year mellow was propelling them to huge win streaks including 31 straight 20 point games in january 30 points per game on 57 percent true shooting percentage mind you Six straight 35-point games in April. 40 points, 10 rebounds, six assists a game on 65% true shooting percentage, and that was a 12-game win streak right there in April. And furthermore, like I'm looking further down on these notes that I have here, 54% true shooting percentage, 30% usage percentage while he was uh, while he was on those win streaks per 100 possessions. This guy was averaging 41 points, 10 rebounds, and four assists during the 2012-13 season. Now you guys know that i like per 100 because it allows me to compare different eras different players different playstyles in the same number of average possessions but i think Melo's impact goes further than the nba you look at his college championship with syracuse that's not an easy thing to do in front of so many people for march madness as we talked about with uh kevin durant when me and safwan did that our episode you could uh go look back on that one as well uh Winning in college is not easy, especially in March when everyone's watching you and the pressure's on you. So, shout out to Melo for doing that, but shout out to Melo for being the most accomplished USA basketball player of all time. Cuz he was the first to win 3 gold medals and he's played in 4 different Olympics. Now, he played alongside guys like Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, James Harden, Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant, uh Richard Jefferson. Just to name a few and Melo shines. Melo more than shine you know he he had big performances against spain big performances against you know the the game against nigeria when usa breaks the points record all time like this is Melo was an integral part of that team he went from the kind of person to be just on the team and scoring and being an individual force to then becoming a leader becoming the guy that trained the young guys the vet for the team and now he's doing that with Portland as well he's averaging like 15 points a game which is not bad for a guy that was drafted in 2003 that's 17 years ago and to just to think like this guy was a true adversary for Kobe in the playoffs you know we remember the Nuggets Lakers series as being fiercely fought Melo was the guy leading that team Melo was the guy that took the Knicks as far as they got in the playoffs in lord knows how long so he's special he belongs on tier 4 the only reason I don't have him higher is well you know what like he demanded money over basketball winning when he decided to go to the Knicks over going to the Heat to play with uh, Wade and LeBron on top of that like he was nearly blackballed sure but you know if Melo had maybe crafted himself a better image he had been a better leader it would have been a different thing but again that's not what we should have expected of him he was a natural born scorer that was his, that was his true calling. Um, another guy I really like here on tier four is James Harden, one of the most prolific scorers of all time. Again, him and Melo in the same tier because they're both superstars that knew how to put the ball in the basket in various different situations, but never got the team success that you know they'd really earned. And you know, looking at James Harden's stats for a career. It's crazy to see his progression, like overall he's averaging 34 minutes a game, 25 points, five rebounds, six assists. So he's he's got starter level minutes, but his stats don't look like they're crazy numbers because of course he was the sixth man in OKC. This season however, 34 points, six rebounds, seven assists. So Harden has, has peaked at an unbelievable level and when we look back just a few years, his best season 2018-19, just last year actually, excuse me, 36 points, six and a half rebounds, seven and a half assists on 62% true shooting percentage. By the way, Harden hasn't averaged less than 25 a game since the 2011-12 season when he came off the bench for OKC averaging 17. So he's he's been doing this for a long time now. And I got to put respect on his name and I wanted to put him in tier three, but you know as you'll see like the guys that come in tier 3 you can't put Harden up there there's just there's so much all time legacy up there but let's just shout out some of James Harden's accomplishments he's the only NBA player to have a 40 point triple double in less than 30 minutes score 30 on every team in the same season have a 50-15-15 assist or sorry 50-15-15 stat line 51-12-5 steal stat line be responsible for 90 or more points with points and assists combined The only other person to do that is Wilt but he only did it once in his 100 point performance Harden has two of those. And Harden's also the only NBA player ever to make 200 threes and 700 free throws in a season which he's done twice. So (laughs) these are are some all time level achievements like I I, I can't even say too much on this you know what I mean like he's the only person with a 60 point triple double as well 60 points 10 rebounds 11 assists on 79% true shooting. The second-highest score in that game had 12 points, and uh, per 100 possessions, his best season was 48, 10, and 9, which is absolutely ridiculous. That was last season. So, shout-out to James Harden. And uh, the guy I really want to talk about here, and I'll mention some other guys that made this list as well, Allen Iverson. Now, Iverson's a really special player to me because when I was growing up playing basketball, I knew that I was around the same height as Iverson, so I watched Iverson highlights all the time thinking that man if he could make the NBA I could make the NBA I think every kid that's watched basketball wants to make the NBA at some point or another in their lives and so for me Iverson is the best small point guard of all time now I know Curry is 6'3 on a good day I guess I'd say maybe and Magic Johnson is is huge so he's out of the picture but like for me what Iverson did going to the finals against Kobe and dropping 48 in game one looking back at the tapes just seeing how many he scored actually against kobe like in isolations flares cuts you know pick and roll getting to the line laying it up around shaq getting shaq into foul trouble shaq had four fouls like really early in that game so i i gotta i gotta say iverson on tier three it, it almost feels like disrespect to him but you know, as we get on, you'll see why. And it's it's really because of the championship thing. You know, there's only one player in Tier 4 that has a championship. But if, if Iverson had just won a championship, if Iverson had maybe just been a little bit... Let's say more... If more efficient is one way of describing it, but more teammate-like. You know what I mean? Works with a team. Uh, leads them. If he was more of a leader, again, that would make him... A better player but that's not what we should have expected from him and that's not what we should expect to think about him what he was was an artist with the game and he changed the way that we saw point guards in the league now a point guard didn't have to be a passer or a defender or just a good floor spacer or a good leader it, they could be your main offensive force they could drop 40 points in a finals game 48 points mind you with an overtime crossover over Ty Lu, one of the better point guard defenders at the time and by the way, I just want to shout out his night that night. He had uh, 41 shots, made 18 of them, 44% shooting overall, but no one else on the team scored more than 13. So you can tell that Iverson not only was the reason that his team won, he wanted to be the reason his team won. He had that competitive spirit in him, which I can totally empathize with. That, that competitiveness is what drives a great basketball player to be great. So it drove Mike to win six. It's what drove LeBron to make eight straight finals. It's a desire to be better, to be great, to win. And Iverson nearly did. Uh, Just shout out also to his best season per 100 possessions, 34 points, five rebounds, and eight assists on 52% true shooting percentage. That was in the 2000 to 2001 season. So shout out to Allen Iverson, man. MVP, Hall of Famer, four-time scoring champ, and my favorite sixer of all time. And uh, some of the other guys that made this list, Chris Paul, the point god, of course, one of the greatest point guards of all time. Again, never won a championship, some injury risks, and you know, the things that have been said about him as a teammate with him wanting assists and wanting to control things, sure, it it kind of factors into that. Charles Barkley, the round mound rebound, of course, he's going to have to be tier 4 on here because he just never won. And there there were the things off the court as well. There was the the conditioning, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not saying he was out of shape, don't get me wrong. Doing what he did, you couldn't be out of shape, but still. Shout out to him though, he's great on TV, absolutely amazing on TV, does his thing. And lastly, Gary Payton, the only guy on this list that does have an NBA championship, and of course he won it with the deceased Seattle Supersonics. By the way, he was Michael Jordan's best individual defender, as we revealed on a previous episode the kevin Durant episode i've referenced that twice now you guys should i guess you guys should really go check that out anchor.fm slash pick and roll or just go to uh pnr podcast on instagram and we have the link in our bio right there you can go check that out but that's going to wrap it up for tier four let's move on to tier three and i like to call this the difference between the greatest and the best so all these guys are greats but when we talk about greatest it becomes a different conversation Greatest entails team success. Greatest entails winning championships. Greatest entails changing the game. But you can be great and not be the greatest. You could be great and just be one of the best players to ever grace the game. And that's what a lot of these guys are. They showed us different elements of the game that we never really imagined. They altered the game in some way or another. They were part of a championship team that we'll remember. But they just they didn't crack the the upper echelon that is tier two and of course that is tier one the mount rushmore excuse me for that voice crack holy jesus but what isn't cracked is the logic in this list so let's get into that tier three let's start with dirk nowitzki the big man that changed what all big men want to do nowadays so it's not even what they do it's what they want to do you know the greatest shooting big man of all time i'd argue the greatest international player of all time apart from Hakeem Olajuwon. Um, MVP, finals MVP, one-time NBA champion 2011 against the the Miami Heatles. By the way, that same season, he averaged 23.7 rebounds, three assists on 61%, true shooting percentage, with a healthy volume of threes, excuse me. And uh, in game four of that finals, Dirk Nowitzki, with a 101 degree fever, put up 21 points and 11 rebounds. He was hacking, coughing, sniffling, sneezing after the game, but he wouldn't let his team lose. And they completed a a comeback after being down from 2-1 to the Heatles to win that championship. By the way, in that playoffs, they also beat the Brandon Roy, LaMarcus Aldridge Trailblazers in the first round. The OK3, just a year before they make the finals, and Kobe's Lakers just a year after they win a back-to-back championships. So they effectively stopped Kobe's Lakers from getting to a three-peat again. And they stopped Brandon Roy or Marcus Aldridge from making any impact at that point. And they stopped the OK3 OK for one more year. They delayed that greatness. So shout out to Dirk Nowitzki over there, man. Tier 3 is a, a great place to be. Great place to be. Of course, Scottie Pippen also belongs on this list. Now, Scotty, of course, has has done more than than I can say in a, in a short podcast. Like, he's one of the greatest small forwards of all time, one of the greatest players of all time, top 50 all time for sure. And six rings tells you everything you need to know. Guarding Magic Johnson in the finals tells you everything you need to know. You know, I'd say the greatest defensive player of all time probably between him and Hakeem. He's probably the best non-big defensive player of all time. The greatest Robin to the greatest Batman of all time. You know, the best defensive wing. Six NBA championships. Hall of Fame. 16 points. Six rebounds. Five assists for a career. 54% true shooting percentage. Didn't shoot you out of games. And was a great team player until, you know, the, the whole contract thing. <laughs> Seventeen year, or Seven years, $16 million. You know, all that... Uh, all of that fiasco. Uh now Scotty also by the way had some like serious statistical seasons. I mean, you look at 93-94, despite being the second option to Michael Jordan, 22 points, 9 rebounds, 5 assists on 54% true shooting percentage. That tells you he's doing a lot. But when you expand it to per 100, let's say he he did have 100 possessions to do what he did. And now it goes up to 30 points, 12 rebounds and 7.6 assists. Those are superstar numbers, legitimate superstar numbers, all-time numbers. And when we look at that uh, finals that I mentioned earlier between the Bulls and the Lakers, of course, that was iconic. That was the Bulls' first of six. And it, it put Mike in a, in a different realm altogether. And Scottie's impact on that finals can never be understated because 32 points, 13 rebounds, and 7 assists in Game 5. On 59% true shooting percentage. That's no joke against the Showtime Lakers. Absolutely no joke. And by the way. In that series. You got to remember. Magic Johnson put up a 30 point triple double. On one Michael Jordan. So it was Pippen that had to take over the defensive matchup. So not only was Pippen doing his thing on offense. He was doing his thing on defense. Really doing his thing on defense. Furthermore. You can't imagine the Bulls. Without Scottie. You can't imagine the NBA without Scotty. He created a, a niche for, for small forwards to be point forwards. You know, he really made it a successful thing. You can't have a LeBron without a, a Magic and a Scotty. You can't have a Kawhi without a Scotty for sure. So I had to put him on this list. Tier 3 only because he was the second option every time he won a championship. If he was the number one option, it would have been a different story. But because he was never in that role... I can't put him at, at Tier 2 or Tier 1, unfortunately. No disrespect to him, though. Also making this list, a teammate of a guy I mentioned before, former teammate, then not teammate, now current teammate of James Harden, Russell Westbrook. And, you know, I have I used to be a Russell Westbrook critic, I'll completely admit it. You know, after the after the first triple-double season, I always wondered why he was going so aggressively after it instead of going for efficiency and going for wins. But, you know, as I, as I grew to learn more about the game, doing this podcast, researching for episodes, etc., what I learned was it didn't matter about efficiency because his team was winning every time he had a triple-double. They had a, a great winning record. His teammates were motivated. Like, sure, it put some of them out of rhythm, but this is what OKC wanted him to do. Like, they traded away James Harden to make Westbrook and KD the focus, and then when Westbrook and KD were there, they prioritized them. Over KD. So for him to at least like. Lead a team full of let's be honest. Outside of Paul George. There wasn't much on that team. Leading them to the playoffs. I'm sorry Steven Adams as well. My bad. Could he have been better? Yeah sure. But he did what he had to do. And he made history. Because for three straight seasons. He averaged a triple double. And. He proved that a, a point guard can grab 10 rebounds a game. A point guard can rebound free throws and push the ball in transition and dunk it after running 94 feet with a face mask on. Like, Westbrook, Westbrook will do so many things to just show you how athletic, how good at basketball he is. And if he just won a championship, just one championship, just the kind of legacy-changing moment that would be for him. You know, for a career, 23.7 rebounds, 8 assists on 53% true shooting. So he hasn't been horribly inefficient. You know, 53% true shooting is fairly good. Uh, And I've mentioned best seasons in a couple of these, but for this one, I want to say, let's talk about it just all three of those triple-double seasons. He only missed 12 12 games, excuse me, in that three-year run. So only 12 games missed in a 246-game span. For just regular season, not including playoffs. 27 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists during that time on his career-level true shooting efficiency. Per 100 possessions, that was 36 points, 14 rebounds, and 14 assists. So I bet you thought, oh, he was wasting possessions. He was wasting, wasting, wasting. They actually had to keep the offense a little bit slowed down, which you could argue was counterintuitive to what Westbrook was playing. Could you imagine if Westbrook just had like 100 possessions to run up and down the court as fast as he could? The, the kind of plays that he would make, the kind of wins his team might be able to get. I mean, we've seen what he's done to the Houston Rockets offense, bringing their pace up. It's like, I, I, I'm i I'm a big Westbrook fan now. I'm a, I'm a changed man with my opinion on him for sure. Especially like, you know, looking back at, on some of his most special games, like the game against Denver where he seals his triple-double the first year. 50 points, 16 rebounds, 10 assists, the game winning three pointer like uh, shout out to Westbrook man tier 3 for sure absolutely and of course some of the other guys that made this tier we got Isaiah Thomas Detroit Pistons you know should have made the USA team I'll, I'll say uh, but you know one of Jordan's greatest adversaries a great point guard on both ends of the floor and one of the greatest point guards of all time underrated by so many people a lot of people forget about him, but Isaiah for sure. Kevin Garnett, you know, one of the greatest power forwards of all time. Only one championship to his name, no MVPs, but again, great player all time. And I'm going to put these two guys together here, Carl Malone and John Stockton. If it wasn't for Jordan and some other unfortunate circumstances, they might have been champions, but one thing's for sure. They ran the greatest pick and roll of all time. And so I had to to give them a shout out there. The greatest pick and roll duo was, after all, Stockton and Malone. So there you go. Tier 4 and Tier 3. Let's take a break for the half here. And when we come back, we'll talk about Tier 2 and Tier 1. The the really exciting members, I think we can all agree on that. So uh, we'll see you there, Hoopers. Hey there, Hoopers. Welcome to episode 23's halftime show for the Pick and Roll podcast. Today, as usual, you know, we mentioned our sponsors on a lot of previous ones. We're going to mention them here again this time because, you know, I've been going through B-Ball Empire's merch list and not going to lie, like I'm, I'm getting my eyes caught on some stuff. So if you haven't heard about it, we have a sponsorship deal with uh, B-Ball Empire. Now, B-Ball Empire is a basketball apparel clothing accessories company. They sell hoodies, t-shirts, hats, backpacks, watches, or sorry, cases, excuse me. A lot of other stuff as well on their website. You can go check it out, bballempire.com. And we actually have a discount code for you to use on their website. So you get 24% off of your order if you use code PNR24. And what the product I wanted to mention today, you know, last time I think I mentioned a uh, limited edition t-shirt, which by the way, just looked absolutely fresh as fuck. Like absolutely amazing. But what I want to talk about today is their logo hat with Champion. Now, Champion, of course, we all know it's a it's a brand that I think all, all of us that wear streetwear, sweatpants, hoodies, Nikes, Supreme, all the people that do that stuff, y'all know it's it's a good it's a good brand to buy. Now, if you want to check out this hat for yourself, you of course can go to their website, bballempire.com, which is also on their Instagram bio at the Beeball Empire. Uh, if you want to go there that's at the Ball empire you give them a follow as well and uh, of course on the side of their hat on the side of the hat you have the champion logo and the bball empire logo both very very well printed on the white hat and it just like it just looks really cool and if it looks like it would be really comfy now i don't wear hats a lot i'll be honest so this one's not for me but what is for me is a reference i'm going to make to basketball with this and that's scoring on someone's head top now i think we all know what that means if you're a real hooper, you know that scoring on someone's head top means you just knocked down a contested jump shot. Now, there have been a lot of contested shooters in the NBA that surprise us every time. You know, you talk about Kyrie's contested shot in Game 7 of the 2016 Finals, or Ray Allen's contested corner three against the Spurs 2013, uh, uh, Kobe's like entire jump shooting career basically, but I wanted to, I wanted to rank the three best jump shooters of all time when they're contested. The guys that I guess you could say they have Deadeye as a badge in every single spot on the court. Those of us that play 2K know what I'm talking about. So, the top three contested jump shooters of all time. Number three, JR Smith. Now, we all know JR Hennyboy Smith only knocks down contested jump shooters. So, he had to make this list, of course. Not just for the meme, but because JR chose to take contested shots and only made them. Only made contested. Couldn't make an open shot to save his life. Um, number two, I'm going to put Jordan. Now, you might have thought Jordan would be number one on this list now that you heard that name, but of course, Jordan was really great at creating separation on his shots a lot of the time. He didn't have to take a lot of contested ones because he could elevate over his opponent, or he could step back. He had the athleticism to go around. Jordan didn't have to take too many of them, but of course, when he did, they were hard to stop, especially the signature turnaround. But of course, we're talking about a contested jump shooter we got to go to Kobe Bean Bryant because we know that when things got rough and it became a, a nip and tuck game, you wanted the ball in Kobe's hands. You didn't care if they were going to double or triple him. You know that he could make that shot and he struck fear into all of his defenders by doing that. And so the, the best head top shooter of all time, Kobe Bryant. And if you want a uh, something to put on top of your head so you can get more head top scores yourself, Go to bballempire.com, check out this hat, check out the rest of their stuff, they got ultra soft hoodies, a bunch of other good shit, bballempire.com, or at the B-ball empire on Instagram. Now, of course, our other sponsor is Drip Detailing. Now, the thing I wanted to spotlight about them today, because, you know, I've talked about them a lot in previous episodes as well, is their ceramic coating. Now, of course, I'm looking at getting a car soon, I want, you know, I want it to, to be clean, I want it to not get scratched by dirt and grime and hail and all of those things what do i want to do you know it's springtime in calgary and the the weather is going to get really bad i think we all agree on that well you can get ceramic pro coating at drip detailing ceramic 9h to be specific and it has hydrophobic properties that when they coat your paint the liquids will just roll right off like literally it won't stay on there they won't be you know those streak marks and everything especially if you have a car that has like a A matte paint job let's say or just a really expensive paint job or just you want to keep it looking at its peak at its prime this is kind of a necessity if you ask me I mean think of it like this if I make it a basketball metaphor think of it like this if Muggsy Bogues went for a left-handed layup on Hakeem Olajuwon right under the rib who's gonna win that battle I think we'd all take Hakeem right well Hakeem's Hakeem's a ceramic coating and is all the dirt, grime, and everything else that would normally scratch or ruin your paintwork. And furthermore, you actually save money by doing this because I know it's—I know some people are gonna go look at the prices and say, "Well, that's a, a big investment to make." Well, you'll actually save a thousand dollars a year just on waxing alone, on average, just by doing this process. And if you if you doubt my math, you can go actually on DripDetailing.ca and check it out for yourself. They actually have the calculation laid out there. So just by doing this, like you're you're saving that much money, you can also save $24 off any package you get from them just by telling them you listen to this podcast. Say you're a real hooper that you listen to the PNR podcast and the, uh, the detailing package is $24 off just for you. Now, of course, this is like a defensive force for your car. So I thought, let's do the first team all defense from where the season has left off. You know, where we're at right now, the best defensive players at each position, Starting off with point guard, I got Ben Simmons. 6'10", locked down multiple positions. Point guard even through centers. You know, terrific defensive player. Underrated in the league just because of that that flawed jump shot. Of course, the lack of uh, desire to take a jump shot, but Ben Simmons definitely the greatest, or the best, sorry, defensive point guard in the league right now. Shooting guard, Jason Tatum. Now, I know Tatum plays small forward and power forward alternatively for the... uh, for the Celtics this year you know shooting guard small forward power forward you know, he's, he's in and around there because of their three wing lineups but to me he's closest to a shooting guard he resembles Kobe in a lot of ways to me and so I had to put him as shooting guard for here and what he is is a tremendous young defender you know he puts himself in great positioning for passing lanes can guard multiple positions blocks rebounds steals does the whole package for you you gotta remember as a rookie he was tasked with guarding LeBron a lot of the time In the uh, the playoffs and didn't do too bad on him mind you small forward Kawhi Leonard I think that's that's pretty obvious I mean the claw multiple time defensive player of the year consistently is able to to thwart the best of the best in the league so that's got to be Kawhi at small forward now a power forward Anthony Davis seems appropriate to me because Anthony's you know he, he led the league in blocks for a little bit this season he's done it before in previous years, and really, if he was on a more winning team, he'd have more Defensive Player of the Year awards. Because this guy guards every single position at a high level, consistently gets more than two blocks a game. If he was less injured and just just played on a winning team more, more Defensive Player of the Year would go to him for sure. And at center, a guy that, you know, brings maybe a little bit of a salty taste in our mouth still, but that we're glad is doing okay now, Rudy Gobert. You know, as as much as as much controversy as he's caused, man, we got it. We got to give a shout out to him because he's one of the greatest defensive players in the league right now. You know, the way that he blocks shots and just affects shot selection around the rim for other teams. There's no metric that can decide that really, but it is a significant impact, especially in the playoffs when teams are visiting Utah. And they're already short of breath. Now they have to worry about the Stifle Tower. So those are your five defensive uh, positions in the league right now. Point guard Ben Simmons, shooting guard Jason Tatum, small forward Kawhi Leonard, power forward Anthony Davis, and center Rudy Gobert. That's a, that's a lockup team. And uh, uh, that's gonna wrap it up for the halftime show here. When we get back, we're gonna do tier two and tier one. We'll see you there, Hoopers. Alrighty hoopers, let's get back into this tier list. Now, tier two is the next one up, and tier two is what I call kings in their own right. So these guys are again some of the greatest to ever play. Now these ones had much more of an impact than the guys in the previous tiers, and they they showed multiple championships, dynasties, iconic parts of history that really explain the story of basketball as a whole. You know some of the most iconic players that just don't crack the Mount Rushmore are going to be on this list, and so let's let's get out the uh, the quick mentions and then we'll go into the detailed ones. Let's start with Dwayne Wade, three-time champ with the Miami Heat. You know, two with LeBron, one with Shaq. He's got one Finals MVP to his name. Probably should have an MVP as well. Uh, or sorry, uh, yeah, should have an MVP as well. Uh, You know, just the third best shooting guard of all time in our minds. Uh, Shaquille O'Neal, you know, I hate to make him a quick mention, but there's just so many guys on here that I really want to go into depth about. And Shaq was one of the most centers, most iconic centers of all time. So you can see the talent on this list is unbelievable. Of course, Shaq had four championships, uh, three P with the Lakers plus the one with D Wade and was just the most unstoppable force known to man that stepped on a basketball court unbelievable and uh Steph Curry and Kevin Durant also make this tier I would say uh Kevin Durant just I know I know it feels kind of high putting him here but I think that by the end of his career he will project to be here and that's kind of what I mean by him because I don't know where to put him right now with this Achilles injury with the Warriors championships I'm not really sure but he definitely deserves a high spot all time because of his talent and I think by the end of his career we'll see that You know, he he fills that role. He becomes a tier two all-time player. Now, the guys I want to talk about in detail, Tim Duncan, greatest power forward of all time, mentioned him on episode 21 because he was the greatest 21 of all time. Five NBA champs, an MVP, two finals MVPs, a Hall of Famer, uh, 19, 11, and two blocks a game for a career on 55% true shooting. And his best season was the season that I was born in, the 98, 99 lockout season. 21 points, 11 rebounds, 2.5 blocks. Now, that doesn't sound like a lot. Per 100, that was 30 points, 15 rebounds, and 3.5 and blocks. And by the way, that was the season he won his first title and finals MVP against the Knicks of all teams. The Allen Houston, Spreewell, uh, Larry Johnson, Jeff Van Gundy Knicks, mind you. That was a, a good Knicks team, let's not forget. And this guy was the one that stood up for the Spurs, you know, even with David Robinson on the team. Of course he had a really great game against the lakers as well uh in a game five loss but a stat line for this game unbelievable 34 points and 25 rebounds holy shit so the big fundamental is also the big statistical i guess you could say but shout out to duncan as well uh larry bird and magic johnson also make this tier because of what they did to just resurrect the nba for bird it was being the second best small forward of all time with three rings two finals mvps three regular season mvps of course he's a hall of famer uh, if it wasn't for lebron he'd be the greatest small forward of all time you know 24 points 10 rebounds six assists for a career you want to go to his best season that's 28 points nine rebounds and seven assists 34 points 11 and 9 if you're going by per 100 so that's insane you know he was a, he was a triple double threat back in the day when that wasn't really the focus and the three point marksman point forward when that wasn't really an emphasis either you know you could argue that bird was really the thing that inspired guys like lebron a versatile forward that can pass the ball shoot finish defend all of those things and that's what bird was um and Looking back at his, his game logs on Basketball Reference, I can't help but notice this one. It's the 47, 14, and 11 that he put up with his left hand. Now, I, re- I remember watching uh, on ESPN a long time ago learning about this game and just being like, how the hell did he tell everybody in the re- the arena, I'm going to be using my left hand tonight, my non-dominant hand. And he dropped 47, 14, and 11 using pretty much only his left hand. Like, he uses his right, obviously, a little bit. But mainly his left just doubly badass dude unbelievably badass and then for Magic Johnson the greatest point guard of all time the greatest the Laker of all time greatest Laker of all time in my opinion even though I love Kobe no disrespect to him no disrespect to Shaq or Kareem or any of the other greats but for me what Magic did being the greatest point guard of all time five rings you know Showtime, three finals MVPs three MVPs hall of fame you know, starting at center because Kareem sprained his ankle in game six of the 1980 NBA Finals to drop 42, 15, and seven. Like he forced Michael Jordan to have to guard somebody else because he dropped a 30-point triple-double on him in the uh, finals game one. So uh, it's it's hard to not keep him on the Mount Rushmore here, but there is... There's some players that I, I really believe are, are greater all time and maybe just mean more to my heart. And it's gonna sound confusing because, you know, I, I bet you guys already know one of the players that's gonna be in tier one based on how I'm talking here. That I say that he's not my he's not my greatest Laker ever. Look, he's a great player all time. I just have to give magic respect for what he did for the Lakers. He's the greatest one. The one that's in tier one, which is coming up soon, that's my favorite one now last on this list to talk about in particular the best for last in my opinion of this list Hakeem Olajuwon now you might be thinking well Tim Duncan Bird and Johnson are are more accomplished than Olajuwon in terms of championships how can you say Hakeem's the best well he's the all time leader in blocks he was the one force that could really stop Shaq he gave Jordan problems and to this day you know I can't think of a better two-way center than him. Like what Hakeem was doing in the '90s to to everyone else in the league was unbelievable. Like keep, keep this in mind, okay? Jordan was the number two pick, and Hakeem was the number one pick. You never hear anyone in Houston saying, "I wish you drafted that Michael Jordan kid instead of Hakeem." You never hear it because Hakeem was amazing. He won back-to-back championships he was again the greatest defensive center of all time the greatest two-way center in my opinion Um, two nba championships like i said two defensive players of the year and mvp two finals mvps 22 points 11 rebounds and three blocks for a career like (laughs) during an era of basketball where there were like so many good big men and good perimeter players like michael jordan insane and like 93, 94, 24 points, 14 rebounds, 4.6 blocks a game. That's the fourth most all-time for a single season. And per 100 possessions, it was 30 points, 18 rebounds, and 6 blocks. On relatively good efficiency too, 54% for a center, that's awesome. And just to let you know, this guy has two quadruple doubles, but it should be three because the NBA rescinded an assist on one of those games. So, Hakim should have some more jewelry, and another quadruple-double, basically. But shout out to him, my favorite center of all time. Now, tier one, like I said, this is a Mount Rushmore. Now, this one, I have no notes prepared for this. Now, I'm not posting it, obviously, so you guys might think, oh, there's no way to fact check it. I have no notes. I've turned my my, uh, phone off with the notes for statistics and everything. This is just off of what I remember about those players and that's because I think Mount Rushmore is more subjective than any of the other tiers. I think at this point, you have to split hairs between who, like, what you really think were the great elements of basketball. Is it about being the best one-on-one player? Is it about having the most versatility? Is it about being the most athletic, etc.? Is it a combination of championships, whatever it is? And for me, it's about the guys that, number one, impacted the game as much as Anybody else more than anybody else? Excuse me. Uh, were able to have a significant statistical impact both in their era and compared to other eras, and as well, they should have the jewelry, the team success, and the reputation to back up their reputation. You know what I mean? Like they they should have everything else that should go along with what I see from the eye test. It should match the numbers and the the overall success in their careers. And so the four guys that I've put here are. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, leading scorer all-time, six championships, six MVPs, like I said earlier. Just the greatest offensive center of all time. And I, I do believe LeBron will eventually pass him in points, but to get as high in points as he did, I think he's at like thirty eight or 39,000 points, somewhere around there. Like, that's just fucking crazy. And to do it for 20 years like he did and to be as unstoppable as he was late in his career... With that skyhook, like you got to remember, the NCAA banned dunking because Kareem was doing it too often. So Kareem then created the skyhook, the most unstoppable shot ever. Still hasn't been blocked, to my knowledge. Other members on this list, we have Kobe Bryant, five championships, uh, single MVP. Arl, although he probably should have more. Two Finals MVPs. Uh, played with Shaq. You know, one of the. The greatest shooting guards of all time. Some people say the greatest of all time, and I don't argue with that. Um, I I don't argue with any of the guys on this list as the greatest of all time, to be completely honest. He's one of the most iconic players of all time, and it was more than heartbreaking to lose him in January. Like, it's, it's painful for sure, but he was a legend that graced this game and really showed that basketball could be an art form and that that art form could also win rings. Footwork on the block, three point shooting, fundamentals, free throw shooting, you know, battling through injuries, saying, fuck you, coach, I'm gonna play 46 minutes a game, tear my Achilles, and make two free throws in the clutch moments of that game. Like, that's Kobe for you, and that, that's the reason why he belongs on this list. Also, with LeBron James. LeBron, three and six in the NBA finals, say what you want, getting to eight straight. Is never easy going up against multiple dynasties you know you talk about the Spurs dynasty numerous times the um, the Celtics dynasty in the Eastern Conference you even look at his run against great all time teams like the OK3 and you look at his face off when he was young in Cleveland like you just look at all of these playoff series that LeBron has been in and you can't tell me that he's underperformed consistently sure the Maverick series happened I'll give you that And did his last series against Boston with Cleveland end very well the first time? Absolutely not. But to say that LeBron is not clutch and doesn't perform in the playoffs, Skip Bayless, I'm looking directly at you, Rob Parker, I'm looking directly at you. It's just, it's not fair to him. It's not fair to what he's accomplished as an all-time player. You look at some of the greatest, most iconic games that he's had, you know, the 45 and 15 and five against Boston when he was still in search of his first title. The triple-double he put up against Golden State in 2016 to seal his third championship and the first champ for uh, Cleveland in 52 years. So you can tell, I'm not going off my notes because I'm kind of just having to go on these tangents like that to remember things, but these are all very important things to remember about LeBron, Kobe, and Kareem. But of course, to save it for last, the guys that have watched The Last Dance, the guys and gals that have watched The Last Dance, Michael Jordan has to be in Tier 1. There's no other place he can be. Six rings. The Jordan sneaker brand, of course. You know, his basketball ownership cannot be uh, uh, complimented, let's say. Like, I mean, he drafted Campbell Walker, okay. Uh, But what he's done as a player is what matters here. And what he's done as a player is just absolutely changed the game. I mean, really showed that a perimeter player could lead the league in scoring and win a championship in the same year could be the MVP, scoring champ, defensive player of the year and NBA champ all in the same year if you wanted to be. So that's that's what he brought to the table and that's why he's got to be in tier 1 here now. I know you guys are all going to ask, you know, don't don't do this roundabout shit. Just tell us who's who's the greatest of all time in your opinion. And I've I've said I think I said it on episode 8 the Kobe episode that uh we will abstain from making a real greatest of all time conversation and the reason why is because of course in losing kobe what we realized was that we forget a lot of the great moments that these players have had you know even just looking back at this you remember oh kobe had that game against that team in that round of the playoffs or lebron had this game kareem had that game jordan had that game and what we realized is that in trying to encompass their entire career as a whole and compare them relatively to decide who is better, we forget the minute details that made them special to us in the first place. Kobe was special to me because he used the mid-range to just dominate teams all night long, and when things really came down to it, he was never afraid of taking the last shot, even if he missed it. And he obviously he missed quite a few, but he took quite a few. I liked Jordan because Jordan's fadeaway was just unguardable. I like LeBron because of his versatility. I like Kareem because of his unstoppability. Even the guys in the lower tiers, I love Melo because that's where I learned how to do jab steps. So there's there's a big element towards that, and so we will stay away from naming the, the greatest of all time. Now, I like LeBron. If I have to put a gun to my head, I will say it's between LeBron and Jordan. I like the LeBron-Jordan comparison as the greatest of all time, but they're so hard to compare because they're such different players. Even when you go to per 100 numbers and I don't have them in front of me, obviously, for them because I'm doing this acapella off the top of my head, they're, they're eerily similar. You know, Jordan has the more points, but then LeBron's got rebounds, assists, and he's doing his thing with, you know, making long runs in the playoffs more often than Jordan did. But... To say that these players are not comparable to each other, that's that's a lie. They are definitely comparable. And if you guys want to tell us what you think, you can DM us at PNR Podcast on Instagram and tell us who you think is the greatest of all time, or give us your own tier lists. Tell us who we missed, tell us who we uh, who we snubbed, who we put in that rightfully deserve to be there, and say, yes, we did it right. Whatever you want to say to us, DM us at PNR Podcast. But that's going to do it for episode 23. Next week, we have episode 24. Uh, I'm really excited because, of course, that is a very significant number and an episode that I'm going to be doing a lot of research on to bring you a more encompassing history on a very special player of all time. I'm not naming him, but you guys already know who it is by the number of the episode. We'll revisit that topic because we didn't do it properly the first episode, I feel. And I think it deserves a real conversation about who he was and some of the best moments from his career but uh thanks so much to everybody for listening to this episode again follow us on instagram at pnr podcast and uh we'll see you next week coopers